Christmas. Certainly it's familiar in our, in our culture, but unfortunately, familiarity, as the proverb says, often breeds contempt. Uh, and maybe contempt is a, a bit of a strong word, but in some ways that's exactly what we've seen in our, in our culture, where this familiar story has become commonplace, and something that's familiar and commonplace we tend to value less. And it's precisely because of that uh, uh, familiarity and commonplace nature of the Christmas story that now our culture is valuing it less and less. America's familiar with the Christmas story to the point where they no longer hold it sacred. Manger scenes are forbidden to be displayed on public property. Employ, uh, store retail stores are uh, forbidding their uh, their clerks to say Merry Christmas. I mean that's just ridiculous. Uh, it's become so uh, familiar, it's uh, held in contempt. Even among Christians, the true meaning of Christmas is often lost in consumerism and gift getting. Uh, the stress of holidays season and the financial burden. Uh, can sometimes uh, force out or force out of the holiday the very thing that Jesus came, the peace that Jesus came to bring. Uh, The stress of the holidays sometimes can force the peace uh, that Jesus came to bring right out of the holiday. So what we want to do is look at this story again, kind of maybe from a fresh perspective, and look at it uh, from the perspective of some of those who are directly involved and see if it has anything to say to us today. How does that sound? Sound good? All right, I need an amen. (laughs) This story really is about two impossible situations conquered by one truth. Say two impossible situations. All right, impossible situation number one was a barren woman in her old age having a baby. She was old. Impossibility number two was an unmarried teenage virgin also having a baby. (laughs) And the conquering truth that overrode both of these impossibilities is the words spoken by the angel to Mary with God, nothing is impossible. All right? With God, nothing will be impossible. So first story is Zacharias and Elizabeth. We touched on the story in the text that I read. It's uh, The full story is in chapter 1, uh, earlier in chapter 1 in Luke. But here Zacharias is an old man uh, as a priest serving in the temple. And it's a great story. If you've never read it, you ought to. <clears throat> he just goes in. It was his uh, turn. They, they uh, took turns <clears throat> to... A minister in the holy of holies and to present the uh, the showbread into the temple, <clears throat> and so a priest was only allowed to do it uh, very rarely. Uh, it was usually selected by lot. In other words, they would draw lots, <clears throat> uh, and uh, and one person in that family of priests would be then allowed to actually do the the most the highest level of priestly duty. This wasn't the the uh, uh, day of atonement, but just the regular presenting and going into the holy place. And so it was really by chance 
that Zacharias was chosen to do this. And, and so, but it was a great honor. And as he goes into the temple, an angel uh, appeared to him. Uh, you know, no doubt Zacharias, being old, had long ago given up the dream of having children. All right? And he and his wife had become content to uh, live and serve out their life. He was going to be faithful to his duty as a priest. And he, he found fulfillment in that, serving God and presenting the sacrifices and all that uh, being a priest in, includes. But this day, he goes into the temple. He's by himself in the temple. It's very different. The temple uh, uh, area, what he was doing was in a room where he was all alone. <clears throat> and an angel appeared and declares to him that his wife will bear a son. He will have a son. And, of course, Zacharias is just dumbfounded by this, literally. (laughs) The angel promises him a son, and Zacharias responds, How will I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Okay? As though an angelic visitation is not proof enough. Okay? (laughs) An angel shows up and tells you something, what you don't want to do is, you know, how, how can I be sure about this? <laughs> Which is exactly what Zacharias did. Uh, and of course, the angel gave him proof. What was the proof? He was mute. He couldn't speak. So get this. This is the humor of God or the humor of the angel. All right. He had the greatest story to tell about an angel appearing to him and promising him a child that he had been waiting for for many, many years, but he was not going to be able to tell anyone until the baby was born. <laughs> Can you imagine, okay? Every day these priests went into the, into the holy place and presented the prayer. Every single day, right? Every day. Oh, whose turn is it? Oh, it's Harry's. Okay, Harry's going in today. He goes in. Hey, Harry, how'd it go? Well, same old, same old, you know? <clears throat> Took the old bread, put in the new bread. You know, it's glory, you know, that art, you know, it's beautiful in there, yeah, yeah. But he goes in and an angel appears and direct angelic encounter and all this happened. What would just think about that? If an angel appeared and gave you the promise you'd been waiting for, but then you couldn't tell anybody. He comes out and he's going <laughs> What's happened to Zacharias? He's crazy. <clears throat> all right. Here's, and then you have, so from the viewpoint of Zacharias, now from the viewpoint of Elizabeth, think of this, what emotions and thoughts. Because she was also promised the baby. <clears throat> and uh, the thoughts that Elizabeth must have dealt with, especially in is- Israelite culture, you know, bearing a child was actually <clears throat> extremely important. And uh, there was actually debate within uh, Judaism at that time, uh, to some degree still today, about whether there was even an afterlife for individuals and that it was through your lineage that the promises of God were would be fulfilled to you. And so the idea of having children was was incredibly big. Um, far, far more than, than just the personal uh, joy that you might have in having a child. There was cultural and religious significance to this. Barrenness was seen as a curse, if not an outright punishment. 
And she says this in verse 25, uh, uh, Elizabeth responding to uh, the angel visiting her and promising her that she was going to be given a child. Verse 25 says, This the Lord uh, has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach from the people. And so God took away her reproach. And so in that culture, there was a, a big reproach. Reproach means like a curse or everybody thought bad of you because of this. You were under a punishment. <clears throat> and after many, many years of waiting and feeling uh, left out, God steps in and works a miracle and she conceives <clears throat> a child. Now, you see, in our day, we see this as just a quaint little story. Okay? Oh, isn't it quaint? But listen, think for a minute what it meant for Elizabeth, who had gotten used to and accepted her role in life. And Zacharias, in their old age, having a baby. Wow! What and you know we happen some of us know Stuart and Lindley Allen uh, who were in Toronto and and they were <clears throat> barren for many many years uh, and uh, I don't even know how old they were when they finally conceived but this just happened like two years ago uh, uh, they had totally given up no hope at all and she conceived both both the husband and the wife were medically shown to be infertile doctor said there's nothing we can do for either one of you. Uh, and she's good friends with, they're both friends with a number of us here. And uh, just a year and a half ago or so, she actually conceived and she brought forth a child. I don't know, was it a daughter or a son? You know, I, don't, I can't remember. It's a daughter. And then they moved back to New Zealand, <laughs> which is where they're from. And so I happen to have seen in a friend's eyes, Stuart, uh, the, 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 he was flabbergasted. He really did not know what to do with this whole idea, you know. And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> and then afterwards, he's got they get this baby, and they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. And they're in their forties, you know. And uh, <clears throat> so it's exciting. And uh, again, we we take it because of the familiarity and say, "Oh, that's a quaint little story." But from the perspective of Elizabeth and Zacharias, this was monumental. Monumental in their personal lives. Let's not lose that point of the story that God intervened and made a monumental difference in their personal lives. God came in and suddenly it all changed. Boom! Everything changed. Why God often requires us to wait for the things we desire most is beyond me. Okay? But when the time was right, God broke through the natural and delivered a supernatural promise. Alright? He broke through the natural and delivered the supernatural. And from the story, <clears throat> it appears that when Zacharias and Elizabeth least expected their prayers to be answered is when God intervened and caused the miracle. When they least expected it, that's when God intervened and caused that miracle to happen. Okay? So here's the application of this part of the story. If there's something you've been praying for, maybe you've been praying for it for years. Or if there's a situation that it seems as though God has forgotten about it. Or you've gotten to the point 
just to make do without something God's promised you because you no longer can see or foresee it ever happening. Okay? That's the time not to give up and to continue to trust in uh, the promise of God. Who knows what it is for you? Because we're all longing or desiring or praying for different things. The story of Christmas, which we're celebrating this week, is the story of a man and woman who had waited for years, decades, remaining faithful to God and to each other. And when the time was right, God acted. They were faithful so that we need to be faithful so that when God's time comes, we're in the right place to receive our blessing. Amen? Got it? Okay, let's look at impossibility number two, Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph had the opposite problem that Zachariah and Elizabeth had. (laughs) Zachariah and Elizabeth have been married for years, couldn't have a kid. Mary and Joseph hadn't even been married yet. Right? They were at the beginning of their adult life. Zacharias, they were at the end of their adult life. And just getting ready. I mean, Joseph was setting up his carpentry business, getting it off the ground, anticipating marrying his childhood sweetheart, no doubt. You know, Mary, uh, uh, most scholars believe that she was probably a teenager, as young as 14 or 15. That's when they married at that time. Um, People didn't live as long as they do today. So uh, she was a teenager looking forward to marriage and being a newlywed. And no doubt both of them, I mean, they were small, just little people in a little town in the middle of nowhere expecting an ordinary life. And they were no doubt not ready when God shows up and calls them into an extraordinary life. Right? What happened with Elizabeth was unusual but not unheard of, okay? For someone in their old age to conceive, it happened with uh, Sarah, all right, and uh, others in uh, Scripture, and, and we've known people that it's happened to. But what happened to Mary had never been heard of before, all right? Think of the emotions. Come on, kind of zoom in, pretend you're watching a movie. Uh, yeah yeah close up on mary's face (laughs) close up on joseph's face (laughs) what (laughs) you're pregnant (laughs) the rumors that must have gone gone through the village okay what about the anguish and the bible kind of talks about this in other parts of scripture that joseph had to endure he was thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to just put her away quietly. <laughs> he was Sicilian. No. <laughs> uh, don't get me started. Okay. <laughs> um, put her away, Matt, to, uh, uh, in, in their culture, uh, uh, the engagement process was much more formal and they were considered uh, uh, um, betrothal was was like pre-marriage to, to break the betrothal was almost like getting a divorce okay it wasn't fully <clears throat> but it was it was near uh, it was that serious to break a betrothal was extremely 
um, a big deal. But he was he was like, I must do this because she's pregnant, and Joseph knew it wasn't him. You know, and <clears throat> it's easy again for us to see it as a story, and we know how God intervened. But from Joseph's perspective, it's like, I hear you, Mary. I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but let's face the facts. You know, people don't just get pregnant. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and who knows what was being said. They were thrust into, you know, most brides can hardly imagine being married. Here she's, she's uh, thrust in this innocent, uh, pure uh, little uh, girl, now expecting a baby and dealing with Joseph and her family, uh, thrust into the situation. No doubt neither of them were ready for this. How in the world are they going to answer all the questions? How can they handle raising a child so soon in their life? And then what could this... Okay, give it, Okay, let's say it's all true. What in the world could this mean? What could God be up to it? You know? And how could they possibly bear the responsibility of raising the very Son of God? How could it be possible? It's impossible. That's the point. Perhaps you're in a situation more like Mary and Joseph, that you feel that you're not ready for what God's asking you to do, or that you've taken on too big of a responsibility. Or perhaps there's accusations or misunderstandings of others that uh, feel as though they're too much for you to bear. Maybe you don't know what God is up to. That you just don't understand. Mary's response is really key to our response. Mary's response was simply, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be according to me. Uh, let it be to me according to your word. Mary's simple faith and acceptance of her calling enabled her to endure the hardships that followed. Okay? Her simple faith and acceptance. This is what I'm called to. That's what enabled her, being sure of her calling, being sure of what God had uh, placed her into, enabled her to endure the hardship. So the conquering truth that overcame these two impossible situations was... Uh, the words spoken by the angel to Mary, for with God, nothing will be impossible. This is the declaration that is at the heart of the Christmas story. This is what Christmas is all about. Alright? The truth that changed Zacharias and Elizabeth's lives, replacing their lost hope with the blessings of a baby boy, and the promise that his life, their heritage, would change the world. The truth that transformed the lives of Joseph and Mary from their expectation of living a quiet, commonplace, ordinary life to being honored and blessed for all generations. Here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about this teenage girl and this carpenter that lived in the backwater country of the Roman Empire, from a mundane life in a forgotten village in the backwaters of the Roman civilization to be central characters, central characters in the history of the human race. Wow! <laughs> I love it. Okay? And that, see, this is the truth of Christmas. 
This is what Christmas is all about, in addition to the presents, of course. <laughs> As our kids pointed out, <clears throat> and this is the same truth that can change your life, my life, your neighbor's life, your co-worker's life, your kid's life, your uncle's life, your parent's life. Same truth. Doesn't matter how impossible the situation is. Oh, but if you knew, doesn't matter. If you knew Zacharias and Elizabeth's situation, you'd say it was impossible. If you knew Joseph and Mary's situation, you'd say it is impossible. But the angel says, with God, nothing is impossible. Ain't nothing impossible with God. And that truth can radically and permanently change your life, just as it did change Zacharias and Elizabeth's life and Mary and Joseph's life. The message of Christmas is about the Incarnation. The story of Christmas is a story intervening personally into human history. Not only did this intervention affect the whole of humanity in a general sense, it transformed individual people's lives, like Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah and Joseph and many, many, many others. It's true today, uh, it's true today as much as it was for the people in the story. And God wants it to be true in your story. God wants Christmas to come alive in your life. God wants you to encounter that same truth that will bring about a change in an impossible situation in your life. God wants the story of Christmas to intersect with your life so that you're a part of the story. Okay? Really. I'm serious. God wants to change an impossible to a possible. God wants to intervene and bring about personal change, which will then enable you to be part of the story that changes the course of the human history. Joseph was a nobody. Mary was a nobody. But through them, God was able to change all of human history. How much change can happen through your life? You have no idea. Because it's not dependent on you. Yeah, that's the point. It's not when you're good enough or smart enough or know the Bible enough. What What is it? It's what changed it in Mary's life. It's just when she said, okay. All right. Your will be done. Be it unto me according to your word. And that's it. That's the point. Mary accepted the invitation. And you must accept the invitation too. Alright? Because the story of Christmas is about what God is doing today and every day. Calling you to the place where you accept His invitation to step into the impossible and believe Him to do whatever needs to be done in your life and through your life to change the course of human history. And you can change the course of human history even if you live in Kalamazoo. (laughs) Amen? Who knows? Who knows? All right. God wants to intervene in your life and bring about personal change which will enable you to be part of the story of changing the course of human history. But you have to believe it. Verse 45 says, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told from her from the Lord. There's going to be a, a fulfillment. The element of the story 
the element of the story, this unfolding story of human history that's left up to us, that enables us to not just be a prop, right, on the set, but integral characters of the story is our willingness to believe. All right? When you believe what God says, you come out of the background and you become a central character in the story that God has for for human history and for your life. But if you don't believe... You're not, embr- you're not stepping into the role. You're not fulfilling your calling. And so you're just in the shadows. Does that make sense? God wants you to be the main character of your life. Alright? Think of your life as an action movie or a romance movie, depending on your... It's like those Facebook things, the movie quotes. <laughs> I don't read any of them, but... I'm like, <clears throat> Step into your life. And live it, because with God, nothing is impossible. And the Christmas story is, it proves that point, it highlights that point, and here we are celebrating it. And the whole world celebrates Christmas. You know, Japan, nobody even knows what Je- who Jesus is, but they celebrate Christmas. And China, they celebrate Christmas, they don't even know. You know, and it's like seeding these truths into these non-Christian cultures so that when the gospel comes, they can understand and get it. <clears throat> All right. And um, that's the invitation. Whatever you're facing today, whatever is impossible in your life, ask God what He's trying to, what He's saying about that circumstance. Okay? Ask God. Take notes. These are the steps. Okay, you're in the circumstance. Identify the circumstance. Ask God, okay, God, what's your word? See, God had a word for Elizabeth. God had a word for Mary. God had a word for Zacharias. God had a word for Joseph. God had a, it's a word for you. All right? <clears throat> Once you know His word and His promise that you can get by hearing God's voice and by knowing God's word, you can have the confidence to believe. All right? And hold on to that word until you see it fulfilled in your life. Amen? Amen. All right. What are we going to do now? Sarah's going to come and give announcements. There we go. All right. Good morning. So I want to welcome any guests that are here with us today. If you are a guest and you received a bulletin, please um, fill out the connection card and bring it to the connection card. I love doing this. Um, bring it to the connection counter in the back of uh, the room today, and you will get a free gift from us to you. Merry Christmas. Braving the snow. Um, I just have a couple of quick announcements. Um, along with the connection card, and this is for everyone, um, there is a sign-up spot on it today, and will be for the next couple of weeks because we are having an exploring membership meeting. It is in January. How many people are thinking about January right now? <laughs> Not many people. Uh, it's hard to think. We're going to have a new year, everybody. Yay! It's going to be 2009. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, January 11th, we're going to have uh, an exploring membership meeting. And it's just information about New Day and information about membership if you're interested and in knowing more. And so if you sign up for that, we'll know. It includes lunch. It'll be right after the service. And um, we'll know to prepare enough meals for you. So just sign up today. And you can sign up next week as well. And then um, also, Bill and Sue Padgham, do you want to stand up, Bill? 
Um, they are inviting everyone in the church to a caroling party, and it's going to be caroling in a nursing home. Um, and that's going to be on Christmas Eve. For anyone who's interested, please see him after church today. All right. So um, when the baskets get passed around in just a minute with the offering, you can put your uh, connection card in there. Also, our, our intercessors pray for your prayer requests. So if you have any prayer requests, go ahead and put them on your connection card. All right. So if the ushers want to go ahead and um, get ready to pass the baskets, and I'm going to lead us all in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your love and your goodness and just the gift of Jesus. We just appreciate you today. And we thank you so much for what you've given us and who you are and how amazing you are, God. And um, we just pray a blessing over each one today and for this uh, Christmas holiday. And we just pray, Father, that your abundance and your blessings would flow in every family and every family gathering. Father, we just pray for peace and freedom from any anxiety in Jesus' name. And we just thank you for your abundance and thank you for the snow. Amen. Amen. Okay, Cameron. Yes. All right. How many, how many don't care what the weather's like in South Carolina? <laughs> All right. We have a white Christmas up here. And, and uh, <clears throat> last week, uh, uh, we gave out gifts at the Christmas party. Was that fun? I like doing that. And last Sunday, we gave Adam a gift. Uh, something uh, my wife and I found while we were in South Carolina. And uh, today we actually have a gift for someone that was uh, given anonymously. And they wanted me to present it. And it's nothing big, but it's for Chloe. <laughs> Chloe, come on up. <laughs> so am I going to open it? Yeah, open it. Ta-da. Yay! Whoa! There you go. Canvases because she she ran out and she paints. So are you blessed by that? I am very blessed. That's wonderful. You may be seated. <clears throat> yeah, give her a hand. And when when the person that said I want to give a gift to Chloe <clears throat> anonymously, I thought. It's, it, I, it all came together in my mind, and I, and I thought, you know what? Let's give a gift to someone every Sunday for the next year. Yeah. Okay, so this is the challenge. Let's say you want to be a part. You want to be one of the givers. And so you can, just like this person came and said, um, <clears throat> I want to give this gift. They were just going to set it out there and I said let's let's do it from the front um, uh, you want to give to give a gift to someone specific like this person knew Chloe needed canvases uh, just to bless her then you get it to the church uh, preferably the Sunday before or that week and let us know and we'll give that gift that Sunday if there's already one lined up for that Sunday we'll wait to the next Sunday okay and if nobody comes then the church will just have something ready to give as a gift and then uh, we'll figure out the details of how we're going to do it. Let's not worry about details, okay? No paralysis through analysis. Okay? Let's just do it. I want to do it. 
<laughs> Sarah said, but if you do it, you got to do it every week. I'm like, I'll do it every week. <laughs> All right, and the reason we're doing it is for three reasons. I've actually thought about this for a couple of days now. Uh, the first reason is people have a bad, uh, the church has a bad rap. And a lot of people in the world think, you know, the church just wants. They just ask for money. They demand participation. They're not giving back. And I think this kind of just comes against that. There's an aspect of intercession that's called moving in the opposite spirit. And so if there's a spirit on a place or a person, you move in the opposite spirit. And if there's a spirit that has an accusation that the church just wants money from you, you know what? This church is going to give stuff away. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> also, how many have heard some negative talk about the economy lately? I mean, it's getting unbelievable. And I'm sick of it. All right? And I'm like, I want to move in the opposite spirit. Okay? So when everybody else is doom and gloom, I'm going to be joy and brightness. And when everybody else is afraid to to let go of a penny, I'm going to give away a dollar or a hundred dollars or whatever. All right? Because I'm moving in it, because I'm operating from a king economy belief. And uh, it doesn't mean we get foolish or irresponsible, but we move in blessing. And I'm going to invite you into that. The main reason is that the gospel is about God's gift to mankind, His free gift. All right. So every time we give away a gift, we're going to say this represents the gospel. That Jesus came to die on the cross as payment for your sin. It's the free gift of salvation. That's the message of the church. And so we're just going to shout it for a whole year by giving stuff away. And just to kind of confirm this, someone else came in this morning with four gifts. <clears throat> um, and, and we opened my... Uh, Sarah and I were in before the service. We kind of plan out the service and talk about how things are going to go. And we open up and there's a, a bag full of presents at our door, at my office door. We're like, well, what is this? What, what is this? It's funny. Sarah's like, oh, what is this? <laughs> so Graham and Jill... Give him a hand. Yay! A present for Graham. Yeah. This is not from me. It's from somebody. And Sarah and Seth. Graham and Jill, the head of our worship ministry. Sarah and Seth, administrators uh, and uh, uh, over the college and career. Oh, Adam and Tara, youth pastors. Yay! Mark, why don't you come on up? Mark Morris, come on up. He's going to end with a song. And finally, for Pastor Cameron and Kathy. So so that's the vision. And we're just going to go for it. And so I encourage you to, to embrace it and say, oh, I want to give somebody... It doesn't have to be anything big. Those canvases were not big, expensive thing. But it was meaningful to that person. But you know what? If... If you want to give something big, that's good too. Okay? And we'll just pray about it, ask God. And uh, this actually happens quite a bit throughout the year. People will channel things through the church, and I usually just send it out anonymously. But we're going to celebrate it. Everybody say celebrate. Celebrate! Yeah, so it's going to be a year of giving. Say year of giving. giving. All right, stand up. All right. Mark's going to lead us in... A song or two. Yes.